Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Uh, we're about to get to my conversation with Reverend Scott Sauls. Uh, before we do that, just a reminder about our new Advent study uh, that has released. If you go to rym.org resources, uh, you'll see the Bible study tab and there's several free Bible studies that you can download. But this Christology Advent study is a six-week study uh, we hope that you can use in the home or the church so be sure to check that out also check out all the music uh, that rym worship is releasing uh, rym worship is releasing five songs this advent season they'll release one a week uh, you can check those out on spotify or itunes uh, you can also go to our youtube channel as well and listen to those. Uh, two of those are original songs by Joe Deegan. Uh, two of them are traditional hymns. And then there's another one that's a traditional hymn that is set to new music. So uh, we hope that you all enjoy those uh, this uh, season. And we also wanted our listeners to know that RYM has partnered again with Reformed Theological Seminary to offer a youth and family ministry class. This will be a one-week class in their winter term uh, that is offered on the Jackson campus of RTS. If you go to rts.edu slash upcoming classes, just select the winter term and you can read the description and get a sample of the syllabi. Uh, it will be uh, from 8.30 in the morning till about 3.30 in the afternoon. It's an intensive course. Uh, if you're a seminary student, you can take this for credit. If you are not and just want to edit this class, you can do that as well. So be sure to go to rts.edu slash upcoming classes. Uh, for now, here's my conversation with Scott. Hope you enjoy it. Scott, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you today. Uh, it's great to be with you, John. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Scott is the senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And, and Scott, you've been there since 2012. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Uh, somewhere between eight and nine years now. Okay. And, and you are married to Patty. You have mm -hmm. two daughters, Abby and Ellie. I believe you said one just graduated from college and one is currently in college. Our youngest is at, at uh, Auburn, freshman. And then our oldest is, is just recently graduated from University of South Carolina and will be working for MTW uh, here pretty soon, which we're excited about for her. All right. And, and I know you, you've moved around a little bit. You uh, worked alongside Tim Keller up in New York mm -hmm. City. You planted and pastored churches in Kansas City and St. Louis. Uh, you've also authored five books, Jesus Outside mm -hmm. the Lines, Befriend, From Weakness to Strength, Irresistible Faith, and your newest, uh, A Gentle Answer, Our Secret mm -hmm. Weapon in the Age of Us Against Them. Mm -hmm. um, and also, too, Lord willing, you'll be a main speaker at RYM's Youth Theater Training in Nashville. Lord willing, if that happens. Yeah. Yeah, um, with Micah Edmondson, our, our one of our newest pastors on our team. So that should yeah. be fun. We're really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're, we're excited about Micah, and we've got Nancy Guthrie, Lord willing, and, and oh, David good. Murray as well. Yeah. Oh, what a great lineup. Yeah, Honored to be part of it. We're excited. And hopefully, yeah, we'll mm. actually be able to, to join in, in person, uh, but we'll mm. have to, to see about that. Uh, so, Scott, season eight of the podcast is looking at teens and technology. Um, and I thought before we get into that, though, it, it'd be good to hear just a little bit about your newest book. As I mentioned, A Gentle Answer, uh, Our Secret Weapon in an Age of Us Against Them. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about this book before we get into our main topic? 
Sure. Uh, it's a book I wrote about two years ago, uh, only thinking uh, that this year, which is, you know, released this year, uh, would be another election cycle. And, you know, just remember 2016 was a, a pretty divisive time and thought, well, maybe we can just put something out there that could help move the needle in a in a more kind-hearted direction. And, and we had no idea the dumpster fire that, that 2020 would become just as a year. Like, the, like uh, yeah, I saw a, uh, an Instagram post about a, I don't know, a month ago where it, it pictured four uh, Johnny on the spots sitting next to each other and they were all on fire. And the <laughs> caption said, if 2020 were a scented candle, this is, this is what it would look like. Um, I, I mean, there's just been so much hostility in all seriousness and so much, you know, tribalizing and us against them and, you know, even violence, uh, you know, from, from all directions. And, and I think the, the term civil war has actually been, been used for the first time in, in, in a long time, uh, as some people, you know, have thought, goodness, could, could we be in for another civil war? I, I, I hope not, uh, but but it's been a rough a rough year, and and so the book, I guess, it was was better timed than than we ever anticipated it would be. But I'm sad uh, for all the reasons why it's so well timed. But but uh, but yeah, we yeah. just want we just want Christians especially to you know think about their their life and community together because all these political issues divide Christians, and that's a very mm -hmm. sad thing. Uh, but also about our engagement in the world. And, and, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for believers to reestablish their witness in the West by being counterculture in a, in a refreshing uh, sort of way. Yeah, no, it is sweet in God's providence that this yeah, came out at this, this time. So hopefully the Lord will, will use that for sure uh, to challenge believers and, and really kind of serving as a transition into to our topic. I'd, I'd love to know how, how did social media kind of shape and influence the composition of this book? Because when I think of social media, there are so many that say, you know, it is definitely fed an us against them culture. Uh, so as I see your subtitle there, I think of that. And of course, there's many factors to kind of this mm -hmm. us against them culture. But but how did yeah social media kind of shape a lot of the content that's in your book? Well, I mean, it's not a book about social media, but but obviously social media, uh, certain forms of it, especially I, I would say Twitter is probably the most, um, you know, aggressive platform uh, for for people, you know, when, when they talk about trolling, uh, most of the trolling seems to take place on Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, the, the bullying is a little bit more passive aggressive where you've got students, you know, taking pictures and sometimes intentionally leaving other people out as, as sort of a passive aggressive way of saying you don't belong with us um and and you know facebook you know students don't really seem to care as much about facebook anymore i guess it's a TikTok is the new thing as long as you got good dance moves you're okay on that but but <laughs> yeah um, i would be left out of that by the way <laughs> yeah same here same here but i mean social media i think has has amplified or, or contributed to the amplification of what's always been in the human heart. I mean, all the way back in Genesis four, you know, Cain murders Abel, right? And and so it's not like hostility is a new thing, but it's it's just a lot more amplified because everybody in the world can have a platform now, who has a computer and access to the internet. And so, um, yeah, it's 
it, it, it's kind of a mess. Uh, and, and it's also got some really, you know, redeeming qualities to it, like, like just about anything. Sure. Yeah. No, Scott, one, one of the main reasons I, I reached out to you is I was thinking about this, this topic of teens and technology. I remember years ago, I can't remember if this three, four years ago, but uh, Christ Prez had a forum entitled Life Through a Screen, uh, the benefits, mm-hmm. risk, and, and wounds of the internet. And, and for our listeners out there, if you go to christprez.org slash forums, you can actually look that up. And I believe there are three speakers and maybe a panel, but it's, it's very helpful. And so even from mm-hmm. From that subtitle, I mean, there are definitely benefits to the internet, to social media platforms. Yeah. And uh, as it says, there are also r- wounds and, and risks. And so mm-hmm. I'd love for you to kind of help us think through this a little bit, as we say, you know, there's, there's just good uses of this technology, but then also some of the the risks, because I know, I mean, you're, you're very engaged. You blog weekly. I mean, your, your bio says you're, you're active on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we, we know about the addictive tendencies of social media. You and I joked about that a little bit before, kind of talking mm-hmm. about the, the social dilemma as well. And so yeah. maybe the, the question, how do you seek to, to kind of balance this of, of using, you know, social media um, and for, for good, but then also the, the addictive tendencies kind of behind it? Sure. Well, John, thank you for reminding me of that forum that we had. And, and again, if, if people went to that, if, if you can only listen to one thing, uh, I'll, I'll encourage you to, there, there's three nine minute talks. And, and one of them is by a, a uh, at, that t- at the time, a high school senior. It's remarkable. Um, and, uh, you know, Elizabeth Hasselback does the, the interviewing. She's the interviewer for the panel and does a wonderful job. Uh, for that, but uh, we've got you know a teenager, a at the time a, a professional counselor who deals a lot uh, with with social media, and then and then a third panelist. And so so you know Christpres.org/forums life through a screen, especially the talk given by uh, Ann Florence Brown, the mm-hmm. the high school senior. But uh, I can't remember your question. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no. you you, uh, you triggered a memory for me. Yeah, uh, which no, no, is a no. really good one. No, just how do you strike a balance of using, you know, these platforms uh, like Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, while also know, knowing that there's these addictive tendencies to go along with them. So kind of more personally, yeah. how, how do you seek to, to balance that? At my best. Now, I'm not always at my best, but 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 at my best, uh, I, I have a commitment to uh, basically to check the Internet, the whole Internet. Uh three times a day uh, at a maximum of 30 minutes uh, each time. And that includes email. Uh, and I have this, this little, I use Gmail. And so I bought this, this, this uh, third party app called pause. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called inbox pause where, where you can, you can actually schedule your email to, to receive any new emails that have come in since the last time it was paused. At, I'm actually, I'm know, writing that down right yeah. now. Uh, once a day, twice a day, three times a day, whatever. But, but my, my, at my best, I schedule, uh, my, my inbox to unpause at seven fifteen in the morning. Uh, that, that gives me time to do the centering devotional stuff without, uh, you know, digital distraction. Uh, by the way, Satan's primary temptation in the garden was to distract. And, and, and so I, I think that he can use, uh, especially anything with a screen as an instrument of distraction, uh, at, at times where we, we really need to be pouring into our formation for me, that's first thing in the morning. And so 
7.15 and then 1 p.m., you know, after I've given myself a nice robust window to really focus, give my best focus time on, in the day to, you know, what Cal Newport calls deep work. And then and then 1 p.m. Uh, and shut it off at 1.30 uh, or earlier. And then and then one more time at 5 p.m. And, and then and then put the phone up when, you know, when I get home, just put it up and and mute it, silence it, shut it down. Uh, don't take it with me in the living room, never take it in, into the bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, that's at my best. Uh, am I always following that rhythm? No, I'm not. But but um, I'll, I'll tell you, it is the it, I'm at I'm at the most life giving place when those restrictions are are abided by by me and the people around me. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can do it all together. Um, it, it's just really, you, you, it'll amaze you just in terms of the, the anxiety reduction uh, mm -hmm. that, that can happen there, especially if you've got addiction issues with, with screens. And so, um, so yeah, recommend that, um, mm -hmm. or at least trying that. And, and by the way, in those little 30 minute windows, uh, those are the only times I can check social media for any kind of interaction or what have mm -hmm. you. And, and with respect to Twitter and Facebook, I pre-schedule things like like once a month, I'll get in there and I'll just pre-schedule everything. Because as a pastor, this is a way to just kind of get a soft touch and, and get the church's voice out there and stuff like that. So it's really helpful with their pre-scheduling apps. I use Sprout uh, where you can where, where you can Hootsuite is another one that's free mm -hmm. that people can use. And it and it works with Twitter. Uh, it works with Facebook. It also works with Instagram. Sprout does, but it's it's a, pay, a paid platform. If you're more active and you're you're using social media professionally, um, mm -hmm. you know whether you're a pastor or, or in some other profession where where it helps. Uh, yeah. So. No, no, and I would echo that. I mean, uh, there's times. I mean, where you where you seek to have balance, but then at your best. I mean, we we all struggle with this, mm -hmm. and so yeah, fellow struggler right there alongside you. And and just going back to as you mentioned, Cal Newport's deep work. I, I don't know if you know, he just released a um, a planner uh, that kind of mm. models after the the deep work and kind of has has some focused work in there. Yeah. And so that's something interesting just to throw out. And mm -hmm. um, I did want to go back to you talking about kind of the the morning time in, in the Word. Uh, you know, in Scripture we know. Jesus sought moments of, of solitude. And I think it was Henry Nowen, if, if I'm not mistaken, who talked about the importance of silence and solitude mm -hmm. as some of the uh, major practices Christians should utilize to kind of break free from the pattern of this world. Mm -hmm. um, and so we know that social media often robs us of those moments of silence and solitude. And so just kind of some, some advice counsel there of how, how do you seek silence and solitude in your, in your own life? I mean, this is something, again, uh, Christians constantly admit to just struggle with as these devices are constantly dinging and vying for our mm -hmm. attention. Yeah, for me, um, the 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 phone can be kind of a one-stop shop for uh, for noise and solitude. And mm -hmm. I think a best practice is to take the solitude apps off of the phone and get a paper Bible and a paper journal um, just just to get the phone out of the way uh, or the iPad or what have you. And I realize there's a lot of convenience, you know, to, to, you know, using the, whatever the Bible apps and stuff, but um, it's just, for me, the, 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 the luring power of all the other options that exist on the phone right in front of my face 
is a lot of times too much. And so just having, you know, going analog, uh, which by the way, uh, students, it's cool again to go analog. So, um, you know, you got the cool factor playing in your favor. See, see right? I've missed that. I'm not cool at all. So is this, <laughs> is this a trend that's coming back now? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And pencils. Uh, yeah. Pencils that, that you sharpen manually. Like that's a big thing now too. So, wow. so if you start journaling with a pencil, you'll be like at the front edge of cool right now. So, wow. well, let me apologize. I've got a pen right here in my hands. So I, need to, I need to go out and get a, get a pencil. Pens are okay too. <laughs> <laughs> now look, um, and that, that's interesting. You brought up the, the kind of digital and analog. Cause I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, I've been in student ministry for, for a while. And I can remember when the trend of uh, youth ministries getting a lot of uh, video game consoles in the, in the youth rooms and, there was myself and a few older youth pastors mm -hmm. kind of pushing back saying, Hey, we're not going to get the video game consoles in the, in the youth areas. I think this is when Xbox was big and, and Halo, uh, which again, dates me. And so kind of getting you to think kind of as your senior pastor role at Christ Prez a little bit and thinking of kind of this balance between digital and analog. I'm mm -hmm. also thinking of Jay Kim's book, Analog Church. I haven't read all of that, but I know him again, talking about the benefits of digital. There's a lot of good things, but then mm -hmm. also kind of thinking more of the analog. And so how do you seek to lead your, your church and kind of balancing kind of the good elements of digital, but then also yeah. emphasizing kind of analog? Yeah, well, I think we've got to learn from Martin Luther on on you know the use of of digital mediums. I mean, the the, the printing press was a brand new technology, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of resistance to Luther when Luther said, "Hey, let's print some Bibles and and put put Bibles in the hands of everybody." Um, and and he got he got a lot of pushback for that. But but um, you know, just think about where biblical, I mean, biblical literacy right now is pretty rough, but think about where it would be if nobody even owned a Bible, right? Absolutely. Uh, maybe our, maybe now we own too many Bibles and 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 take it for granted because of that. But but um but I think that you know like like anything there's a there's a re redemptive use and an unredemptive use of of technology and the other factor is too, if we if we take, you know, social media away, especially from kids when they reach junior high and senior high, um, we 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 we're faced with this incredible dilemma of of um, you know preserving mental health by by keeping the the apps away. Uh, or, you know, but, but, but at the same time, if we keep the apps away from them, don't let them get on, you know, Instagram and, and so on, then it, it, it's also an attack on mental health because of the social isolation that, that, that they'll experience. Because, you know, they're, they're talking now about how starting with the millennial generation and younger, uh, they are digital natives now. Uh, we have generations where their first language is through their phone and, and their second language is face to face. And I, let's not even get into how <laughs> sad and theologically awful that is. Oh, yeah. um, but it's a reality that um, that we have to contend with as we shepherd our kids in, in trying to be healthy users of these things uh, without becoming addicted users of them. And in our home, I mean, it's, it's a battle, right? Because we would set time limits we would say, you know, there's, you, you can't take your phone into your bed. You, you, everybody puts their phones, you know, in a, in a, you know, basket or whatever after 7 PM. And that's just the way it is. And well, nobody else is doing that. Well, look, we're not 
everybody else and 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 we don't judge everybody else or anybody else but this is this is how we're going to do healthy but 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 you you do have to prepare yourself to to get into conflict with your kids because mm -hmm. they're going to want to be on it all the time um because of fear of missing out and all of all of that but um yeah and i i mean I'm no expert. Andy Crouch has written a book called The TechWise Family. I'm sure you guys will cover that if you haven't yet. Uh, and um, by the way, Andy is like the most insanely disciplined person I think I've ever met in my life. And, and so I felt a lot of condemnation, uh, you know, of, of condemning myself as I'm, as I'm, you know, reading what they do as a family. Uh, and it may not be realistic for a lot of people, but but I think there's a lot of great principle in there for, for those who can't go all the way uh, to the degree that they have with, with their, you know, rhythms as a family. Yeah. And actually, I mean, as you bring that up, his daughter, Amy is just releasing a book called, um, I think it's my tech wise life. And mm. so it's kind of her reflections on growing up in that home. And she's actually going to come yeah. on this podcast to talk oh, about good, good. that book. It's yeah, released in November at, at some point. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, I wanted to transition to the home a little bit. Um, and I wanted to read this quote from James K.A. Smith, and he's describing the home of a teenager today. And he says, the home was a space to let your guard down, freed from the perpetual gaze of your peers. You could almost forget yourself. You could at least forget how gawky and pimpled and weird you were, freed from the competition that characterizes mm. teenagedom. No longer. Uh, the space of the home has been punctured by the intrusion of social media, such that the competitive world of self-display and self-consciousness is always with us. So, mm. Scott, as you said, I mean, every parent of preteens and teens, they're, they're struggling uh, with, with social media usage in the home. And so mm -hmm. maybe digging into that a little bit more, I mean, as you admitted, no, no, you didn't do this perfectly, no parent does. Um, how did you introduce devices in the home and what kind of conversations were taking place? I know uh, both of your daughters are out of the house now, but maybe even yeah. kind of uh, some of the transition of them to college, even those discussions too could be helpful. Yeah. For us, you know, we were in St. Louis when it first became a, you know, a, a, a presenting issue. And we, we just thought, you know, we're going to delay this as long as we can. And then we went to New, when then we got called to New York and, um, you know, New York is it's a pedestrian city and starting at around age 10, uh, kids really can just kind of go out and be out in the city with their friends uh, because of public transportation. And, and you know, the, the streets are very safe there as long as you, you know, don't go into back alleyways. And so we, we just we had to, you know, we had to make an early decision uh, just so we could locate uh, and get in contact with our kids and vice versa. So our situation was different probably than the average person listening in uh, here. But, I, you know, I, I think that the, the time where it becomes a, a real tension point is, is somewhere around fifth or sixth, fifth or sixth grade um, when, when, when the social life of their peers starts to get taken over by digital devices. Uh, and that's where you just got to make these careful, you know, sometimes costly decisions as a family about who you're going to be. And, and hopefully by the time you get to that point in your home, you've developed enough trust, um, you know, in your kids by, by a, um, you know, living up to your own standards and abiding by your own standards and, and committing to do committing to live by what you ask your kids to live by. Uh, so it's something we're all in together. 
but but the other part is too to to carefully listen to and empathize with your kids because they're not they are not the teenagers that we were, uh, and they're not in the climate that we were in. And and you know, when I was a kid, the the, the neighborhood streets were filled with kids, uh, and, and that was life. And and now you go out into most neighborhoods, you don't see kids anywhere, because the neighborhood street is now their bedroom with their phone, and and so just to figure out how to develop empathy and understanding and being really quick to listen and slow to speak, uh, you know, judgments over our kids, because it's really a hard world. It, it's sharks and minnows that they're navigating with this stuff um, and just devour as much good content uh, and wisdom as you can on these things like this series. I'm so glad you guys are doing this series. Hope is a, hope is a resource that can be shared over and over and over again in the future as, as you know, kind of new sets and generations of parents start to face these things. Sure. No, yeah. We, and youth leaders, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we appreciate you being a part of it to help us think through this. Um, Scott, one of the questions that comes up a lot is, okay, what age should we give smartphones to our children? And I mean, as you just kind of gave the illustration of living in certain areas, context of our, our culture is, is going to shape that. I mean, we know there's no magic age. We've had Julie Lowe on this podcast, who's um, a counselor and, and she has said, you know, it's going to be different ages for, uh, for every individual. And I know actually you were on a um, uh, interview, I think with the gospel coalition and Russell Moore was on there and he, he said, you know, to be cautious of your own personal vulnerabilities. And again, I think that just means it's going to be different for every individual. Each child will be different. And, and so as, as I get to this kind of question of age, I, a youth pastor asked me recently, or was just kind of sharing, they had a counselor come in and kind of encourage their congregations to give devices to children at younger ages. And then they had somebody else come in and said, wait as long as you possibly can. And so, mm -hmm. again, there's a spectrum of kind of thoughts and uh, about this. Uh, so what age would you encourage? Uh, yeah. What is your counsel uh, here, even though people vary on their perspectives? I think it's important to uh, be in conversation with um the parents, especially the Christian parents who are in your kid's school environment. Um, it's, it's really important to sort of keep, uh, keep a temperature on what's happening uh, around your kids. And that's not to say that you follow what everybody else is doing, but, but to get a strong read on the landscape. And in, in some climates, here's an interesting, here's an interesting fact. Like if you live in Little Rock, Arkansas, it's probably age eight when you start having those conversations and really starting to do the hard work of figuring out when the, when the best time is and, and to what degree, right? Because you can, you can block certain apps, you can create time limits on the phone. Like there's certain arrangements you can enter into with your cell phone carrier about, you know, time limits on online and things like that. But pretty early in Little Rock, uh, if you're in Silicon Valley, ironically, um, it's going to be a little bit older because surprise, surprise, uh, people at Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and who work at all of these, these, these social media companies don't let their kids have phones or social media. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, if you watch the, the documentary on Netflix called the social dilemma, you'll get a, you'll get an insight into why, uh, that's the case, but, but, uh, you know, you always want to have pause when the people who are creating the apps aren't 
giving them to their kids. It's kind of like when the rapper Eminem said he wouldn't let his own daughter listen to his music, uh, even though he made music for chiefly his daughter's age group. Uh, uh, and, and, and so, you know, uh, it depends on where you're at, but, yeah. but I think the parents, the thoughtful Christian parents around you are, are going to be a, an important community to be in, uh, together as you navigate these things and your youth workers, um, you know, your youth workers, they make a career out of, um, trying to figure out what's healthy around mm -hmm. this stuff. And, they're going to be really good mentors. Like, like a 26 year old youth worker is, is, you know, in many cases going to be your very best teacher around these things. Mm, now that's some really good advice. And uh, I mean, just community for sure, because uh, as we said, there's so many different factors from where you live to uh, just the developmental stages of the, of the child. And so yeah, community is, is such a significant um, aspect of that. You know, Scott, as I was talking with you pre-recording and we mentioned the social dilemma and we, you know, want to say technology is a good thing, that there's so many good aspects to uh, just digital devices and even social media. And so we want to pull back and, and maintain uh, just some balance there. Um, but, but as we start to, to draw this to a close a little bit, I'd love for help you for you to kind of help us think about, like, how do you think these technologies will shape the church for future generations and, and kind of both the bad and the good? Um, how, how do you think these technologies are going to shape the future of the church? And so maybe let's focus on the bad first so we can end on some, some good news. Yeah, I mean, give an example of a, of a positive in, in recent memory. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the sermon I preached last Sunday um, we, we, you know, generally we're, we're a larger church. And so, so generally our, our congregation people, number of people in our congregation, that will hear my sermon somewhere between two and 3000. And, um, and it, but, but, but it, it went out to, um, multiples of that, uh, for instance, uh, and, and, and that's, you know, that can be good and bad because some people can, say, well, that was really helpful and, and, uh, beneficial and I'm going to, you know, file that away. And, and that's a good thing, but other people can say, well, that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do church online at, at, you know, somebody's church in another state because I like the music. I like the preaching. I like how they do this or that. And that's bad, bad idea. Uh, which gets me to the negative part. I, I, I do fear that, uh, um, you know, as, as church, you know, as the centrality of the local church is on decline, especially among American Christians, where it used to be that if you're a Christian in America, you'd be in church three or four Sundays out of the, out of the month. And now it's one to two uh, before COVID. And now that COVID has happened and people are habituating their absence and, and, and you know, what started as a, as a safety measure is now an easy excuse uh, to stay in your pajamas and pour a cup of coffee. But, but that easy excuse, it, it, typically it's not long before you're piecing out altogether. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I think just recognizing the spiritual danger of, of remote community, um, it's, it's a dangerous, I would go so far as to say it's a dangerous thing. It can be a helpful medium uh, if you're sick at home, uh, if you're trying to avoid the plague or a pandemic, that's one thing, but, but if as a long-term solution uh, for spiritual nourishment and community, it's not community. There's no such thing as an online community. 
um, it, it's, it's, you lose over 50% of, of the intangible relational dynamics uh, when, when your relationships and your community is mediated through a screen as opposed to incarnationally. I mean, I, Jesus could have saved himself a lot of trouble by just, <laughs> by just showing up, you know, on FaceTime. Uh, right. But, you know, he, he didn't do it that way. He embodied himself in a, in a, in a, in a Middle Eastern uh, first century local community. And um, I, I just don't think there's ever going to be a time in history where there's a better way to do it than that. Uh, and, and so I think we're at risk though, of, of losing that because every, all the rest of life is digitized and on demand. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm a digital church person, I don't have to go to church at nine or 11 anymore. I, I can go at two 13 in the afternoon. Um, you know, if I want, cause it's on demand. Well, you know, you, you're really giving up something there. Um, you know, the responsibility to show up and submit to a schedule, even, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, it, 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 the, taking away that responsibility is taking away a bit of your humanity and taking away a bit of the call to discipleship to submit to something. Um, so, yeah, I could go on and on and on about that. But no, that, That's great. I mean, very well said as you're, you know, highlighting the good and the, the aspects of, of how we can utilize digital to, I mean, to, to get messages out to, to more where we also pay a price for that as well. And I think it's, it's important for us to continue to have these conversations to, again, talk about the good of technology, but let's also be very cautious and discerning as we move forward, because um, especially just with, with COVID is it's just kind of poured fuel on the, the fire of kind of <laughs> zooming and digital everything. Things are becoming normalized right now for the church that we've got to be cautious of just kind of settling into and, and exercising discernment. And so, Scott, there, there's so many, I think at every question, I wanted to kind of zoom in on some more and, and talk to you a little bit more, but I, I know um, you, you've got to get going. And so just kind of a, a final word, maybe of encouragement to those who are listening as they're, you know, seeking to be faithful mm-hmm. believers, utilizing mm-hmm. devices, also kind of pushing back. What's a final word you'd like to give? The more you can, the more parents can parent in community and the more youth leaders can lead uh, alongside parents to learn from one another um, so that they can both do their jobs and fulfill their calling, whether as parents or as youth workers, better, uh, the better. Um, you know, do, this, doing this as a community affair, it, it just provides it provides a protective measure when you, when your kids push back and they say, well, nobody does this. Well, you can say, well, I, actually I talked to a dozen other adults uh, on, on a monthly basis about this. And I, I can tell you that, that, that actually there are people <laughs> who are very healthy people that we love and who love us and who love you that do it this way and are committed to doing it this way together. So hang out a little more with their kids and you can <laughs> be in the same boat together, but, but being in community with these things at all levels is, is really important, but again, can't also can't overemphasize the importance of empathy and, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't, to not be dismissive toward the things that make our kids anxious. Mm-hmm. And there's major social anxiety around um, digital restriction. And, and we just have to, we have to enter into that with love and empathy. 
Such a good word. Now, again, just love the emphasis on community, but then let's also just try to enter into our children's world as they're trying to figure this world out, going through just insane changes in the teenage years uh, in the midst of all of this. So let me, let me remind our listeners about Scott's newest book, A Gentle Answer, Our Secret Weapon in an Age of Us Against Them. Scott, I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on this podcast and just help us to, to think through this a little bit more. Hope you have a good day. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Without money, oh, come and feast without.